Chapter 25 of Struggles and Triumphs, or Forty Years Recollections of P. T. Barnum, written by himself. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gary B. Clayton. Struggles and Triumphs of P. T. Barnum, Chapter 25 The Jerome Clock Company Entanglement. I now come to a series of events which, all things considered, constitute one of the most remarkable experiences of my life, an experience which brought me much pain and many trials, which humbled my pride and threatened me with hopeless financial ruin, and yet, nevertheless, put new blood in my veins, fresh vigor in my action, warding off all temptation to rust in the repose which affluence induces, and developed, I trust, new and better elements of manliness in my character. This trial carried me through a severe and costly discipline, and now that I have passed through it and have triumphed over it, I can thank God for sending it upon me, though I feel no special obligations to the human instruments employed in the severe chastening which fell upon me. I thought that I could never recover. The event has shown, however, that I have gained both in character and fortune, and what threatens for many years to be my ruin has proved one of the most fortunate happenings of my career. The bull run of my life's battle was a crushing defeat, which unknown to me at the time only presaged the victories which were to follow. In my general plan of presenting the facts and incidents of my life in chronological order, I shall necessarily introduce in the history of the next seven years an account of my entanglement in the Jerome Clock Company, how I was drawn into it, how I got out of it, and what it did to me and for me. The great notoriety given to my connection with this concern, the fact that the journals throughout the country made it the subject of news, gossip, sympathy, abuse, and advice to and about me, my friends, my persecutors, and the public generally, seems to demand that the story should be briefly but plainly told. The event itself has passed away, and with it the passions and excitements that were born of it, and I certainly have no desire now to deal in personalities or to go into the question of the motives which influence those who are interested, any further than may be strictly essential to a fair and candid statement of the case it is vital to the narrative that i should give some account of the new city east bridgeport and my interest therein which led directly to my subsequent complications with the jerome clock company in eighteen fifty one i purchased from mr william h noble of bridgeport the undivided half of his late father's homestead consisting of fifty acres of land lying on the east side of the river opposite the city of bridgeport we intended this as a nucleus of a new city which we concluded could soon be built up in consequence of many natural advantages that it possesses before giving publicity to our plans however we purchased one hundred and seventy-four acres contiguous to that which we already owned and laid out the entire property in regular streets and lined them with trees reserving a beautiful grove of six or eight acres which we enclosed and converted into a public park we then commenced selling alternate lots at the same price which the land cost us by the acre our sales were always made on the condition that a suitable dwelling-house store or manufactory should be erected upon the land within one year from the date of purchase that every building should be placed at a certain distance from the street in a style of architecture approved by us 
that the grounds should be enclosed with acceptable fences and kept clean and neat with other conditions which would render the locality a desirable one for respectable residents and operate for the mutual benefit of all persons who should become settlers in the new city this entire property consists of a beautiful plateau of ground lying within less than half a mile of the center of bridgeport city considering the superiority of the situation it is a wonder that the city of bridgeport was not originally founded upon that side of the river the late dr timothy dwight for a long time president of yale college in his quote, travels in new england in eighteen fifteen end quote, says of the locality quote, there is not in the state a prettier village than the borough of bridgeport in the year seventeen eighty three there were scarcely half a dozen houses in this place it now contains probably more than one hundred built on both sides of pequannock river a beautiful mill stream forming at its mouth the harbor of bridgeport the situation of this village is very handsome particularly on the eastern side of the river a more cheerful and elegant piece of ground can scarcely be imagined than the point which stretches between the pequannock and the old mill brook and the prospects presented by the harbors at the mouths of these streams the sound and the surrounding country are in a fine season gay and brilliant perhaps without a parallel End quote. this cheerful and elegant piece of ground as dr dwight so truly describes it had only been kept from market by the want of means of access a new footbridge was built connecting this place with the city of bridgeport and a public toll bridge which belonged to us was thrown open to the public free we also obtained from the state legislature a charter for erecting a toll bridge between the two bridges already existing and under that charter we put up a fine covered drawbridge at a cost of sixteen thousand dollars which also we made free to the public for several years we built and leased to a union company of young coachmakers a large and elegant coach manufactory which was one of the first buildings erected there and which went into operation on the first of january eighteen fifty two and was the beginning of the extensive manufactories which were subsequently built in east bridgeport besides the inducement which we held out to purchasers to obtain their lots at a merely nominal price we advanced one-half two-thirds and frequently all the funds necessary to erect their buildings permitting them to repay us in sums as small as five dollars at their own convenience this arrangement enabled many persons to secure and ultimately pay for homes which they could not otherwise have obtained we look for our profits solely to the rise in the value of the reserved lots which we were confident must ensue of course these extraordinary inducements led many persons to build in the new city and it began to develop and increase with a rapidity rarely witnessed in this section of the country indeed our speculation which might be termed a profitable philanthropy soon promised to be so remunerative that i offered mr noble for his interest in the estate sixty thousand dollars more than the prime cost which offer he declined it will thus be seen that in eighteen fifty one my pet scheme was to build up a city in east bridgeport i had made a large fortune and was anxious to be released from the harassing cares of active business i could not be idle and if i could be instrumental in giving value to land comparatively worthless if i could by the judicious investment of a portion of my capital open the way for new industries and new homes i should be of service to my fellow men and find grateful employment for my energies and time i saw that in case of success there was profit in my project 
and i was enough like mankind in general to look upon the enlargement of my means as a consummation devoutly and legitimately to be wished yet i can truly say that mere money-making was a secondary consideration in my scheme i wanted to build a city on the beautiful plateau across the river in the expressive phrase of the day i quote, had east bridgeport on the brain end quote. whoever approached me with a project which looked to the advancement of my new city touched my weaker side and found me an eager listener the serpent that beguiled me was any plausible proposition that promised prosperity to east bridgeport and it was in this way that the coming city connected me with that source of so many annoyances and woes the jerome clock company there was a small clock manufactory in the town of litchfield connecticut in which i became a stockholder to the amount of six or seven thousand dollars and my duties as a director in the company called me occasionally to litchfield and made me somewhat acquainted with the clock business thinking of plans to forward my pet east bridgeport enterprise it occurred to me that if the litchfield clock concern could be transferred to my prospective new city it would necessarily bring many families thus increasing the growth of the place and the value of the property negotiations were at once commenced and the desired transfer of the business was the result a new stock company was formed under the name of the quote, terry and barnum manufacturing company end quote, and in eighteen fifty two a factory was built in east bridgeport in eighteen fifty five i received a suggestion from a citizen of new haven that the jerome clock company then reputed to be a wealthy concern should be removed to east bridgeport and shortly afterwards i was visited at iranistan by mr chauncey jerome the president of that company the result of this visit was a proposition from the agent of the company who also held power of attorney for the president that i should lend my name as security for one hundred and ten thousand dollars in aid of the jerome clock company and the proffered compensation was the transfer of this great manufacturing concern with its seven hundred to one thousand operatives to my beloved east bridgeport it was just a bait for the fish i was all attention yet i must do my judgment the justice to say that i called for proofs strong and ample that the great company deserved its reputation as a substantial enterprise that might safely be trusted accordingly i was shown an official report of the directors of the company exhibiting a capital of four hundred thousand dollars and a surplus of one hundred eighty seven thousand dollars in all five hundred and eighty seven thousand dollars the need for one hundred and ten thousand dollars more was on account of a dull season and the market glutted with the goods and immediate money demands which must be met i was also impressed with the pathetic tale that the company was exceedingly loath to dismiss any of the operatives who would suffer greatly if their only dependence for their daily food was taken away the official statement seemed satisfactory and i cordially sympathized with the philanthropic purpose of keeping the workmen employed even in the dull season the company was reputed to be rich the president mr chauncey jerome had built a church in new haven at a cost of forty thousand dollars and proposed to present it to a congregation he had given a clock to a church in bridgeport and these things showed that he at least thought he was wealthy the jerome clocks were for sale all over the world even in china where the celestials were said to take out the quote, movements unquote, and use the cases for little temples for their idols thus proving that faith was possible without quote, works unquote. so wealthy and so widely known a company would surely be a grand acquisition to my city 
further testimony came in the form of a letter from the cashier of one of the new haven banks expressing the highest confidence in the financial strength of the concern and much satisfaction that i contemplated giving temporary aid which would keep so many workmen and their families from suffering and perhaps starvation i had not at the time the slightest suspicion that my voluntary correspondent had any interest in the transfer of the jerome company from new haven to east bridgeport though i was subsequently informed that the bank of which my correspondent was the cashier was almost the largest if not the largest creditor of the clock company under all the circumstances and influenced by the rose-colored representations made to me not less than by my mania to push the growth of my new city i finally accepted the proposition and consented to an agreement that i would lend the clock company my notes for a sum not to exceed fifty thousand dollars and accept drafts to an amount not to exceed sixty thousand dollars it was thoroughly understood that i was in no case to be responsible for one cent in excess of one hundred and ten thousand dollars i also received the written guarantee of chauncey jerome that in no event should i lose by the loan as he would become personally responsible for the repayment i was willing that my notes when taken up should be renewed i cared not how often provided the stipulated maximum of one hundred and ten thousand dollars should never be exceeded i was weak enough however under the representation that it was impossible to say exactly when it would be necessary to use the notes to put my name to several notes for three thousand dollars five thousand dollars and ten thousand dollars leaving the date of payment blank but it was agreed that the blank should be filled to make the notes payable in five ten or even sixty days from date according to the exigencies of the case and i was careful to keep a memorandum of the several amounts of the notes on the other side it was agreed that the jerome company should exchange its stock with the terry and barnum stockholders and thus absorb that company and unite the entire business in east bridgeport it was scarcely a month before the secretary wrote me that the company would soon be in condition to quote, snap its fingers at the banks end quote. nevertheless three months after the consolidation of the companies a reference to my memorandum showed that i had already become responsible for the stipulated sum of one hundred and ten thousand dollars i was then called upon in new york by the agent who wanted five notes of five thousand dollars each and i declined to furnish them unless i should receive in return an amount equal to my own cancelled notes since he assured me that they were cancelling these quote, every week unquote. the cancelled notes were brought to me next day and i renewed them this i did frequently always receiving cancelled notes till finally my confidence in the company became so established that i did not ask to see the notes that had been taken up but furnished new accommodation paper as it was called for by and by i heard that the banks began to hesitate about discounting my paper and knowing that i was good for one hundred and ten thousand dollars several times over i wondered what was the matter till the discovery came at last that my notes had not been taken up as was represented and that some of the blank date notes had been made payable in twelve eighteen and twenty-four months further investigation revealed the frightful fact that i had endorsed for the clock company to the extent of more than half a million dollars and most of the notes had been exchanged for old jerome company notes due to the banks and other creditors my agent who made these startling discoveries came back to me with the refreshing intelligence that i was a ruined man not quite i had the mountain of jerome debts on my bank but i found means to pay every claim against me at my bank 
all my store and shop debts notes to the amount of forty thousand dollars which banks in my neighborhood relying upon my personal integrity had discounted for the clock company and then i failed what a dupe had i been here was a great company pretending to be worth five hundred and eighty seven thousand dollars asking temporary assistance to the amount of one hundred and ten thousand dollars coming down with a crash so soon as my helping hand was removed and sweeping me down with it it failed and even after absorbing my fortune it paid but twelve to fifteen per cent of its obligations while to cap the climax it never moved to east bridgeport at all notwithstanding this was the only condition which ever prompted me to advance one dollar to the rotten concern if at any time my vanity had been chilled by the fear that after my retirement from the jenny lynn enterprise the world would forget me this affair speedily reassured me i had notice enough to satisfy the most inordinate craving for notoriety all over the country and even across the ocean quote, barnum and the jerome clock bubble end quote, was the great newspaper theme i was taken to pieces analyzed put together again kicked pinched into tumbled about preached to preached about and made to service every purpose to which a sensation-loving world could put me well i was now in training in a new school and was learning new and strange lessons yet these new lessons conveyed the old old story there were those who had fawned upon me in my prosperity who now jeered at my adversity people whom i had specially favored made special efforts to show their ingratitude papers which when i had the means to make it an object for them to be on good terms with me overloaded me with adulation now attempted to overwhelm me with abuse and then the immense amount of moralizing over the quote, instability of human fortunes end quote, and especially the retributive justice that is sure to follow quote, ill-gotten gains end quote, which my censors assumed to be the sum and substance of my honorably acquired and industriously worked-for property i have no doubt that much of this kind of twaddle was believed by the twaddlers to be sincere and thus my case was actual capital to certain preachers and religious editors who were in want of fresh illustrations wherein to point their morals as for myself i was in the depths but i did not despond i was confident that with energetic purpose and divine assistance i should if my health and life were spared get on my feet again and events have since fully justified and verified the expectation and the effort end of chapter twenty five recording by gary b clayton